When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. What's the state of play in commodities? Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, January 17, 2023. I'm Ash Bennington. I'm joined today by Tony Greer, editor of The Morning Navigator. Tony, welcome back to the show, man. Slash, how are you today? What's going on? Man, I'm doing great. I'm super stoked to have you here. I've been hanging out, hiding out in crypto land, following all these stories. You've been covering macro, markets, finance. Tell us, what are we looking at? Big picture, zoom the camera out for me, TG. Bring us up to speed. Okay, uh, zoom us out in the world. I think it's worth saying that um, let the record reflect that post CPI, which was elevated but relatively benign because it was in line, stocks have gone bid, bonds have gone bid, and commodities have gone bid. So we've got a little bit of an all asset class light melt up going on. Um, you know, the SP is up 4%, and NASDAQ up 6% year to date. Bonds have gone bid, TLT is up 6%. We've actually got US two-year yields testing moving average support, which is something we didn't see at all last year. Um, commodities have gone bid. Now the Bloomberg Commodity Index is flat, but that's just because natural gas is down 20% year to date. Everything else in the metals, oil sector really taking off and responding well. So it feels like a risk on environment, if that's fair to say, to start off the first two weeks of the year, Ash. We can talk about it whatever direction you want. Well, hey, listen, talking about uh, this environment, let's talk a little bit about oil because you have this great tweet here. Uh, Brian, if we could bring that tweet up. This is a really interesting one. I'm just going to read this for people uh, who are listening to us uh, on the podcast. Here's the tweet. WTI oil is through the 50-day DMA, uh, daily moving average, and hunting down the neckline 100-day DMA around 83 bucks. Back end of the curve, firming up. Crack spreads, testing range tops. We're talking some serious effing muscle USO. Give us the context. What do you mean by that tweet? I know we've got the, the, the tweet up on screen right now. Uh, looking at the chart, tell us what it means. Yeah, Ash, you know, one of the trades that's on my radar screen this year is for oil to resume its bullish posture and start rallying again, right? And I can't get into that trade until price action leads me into that trade. And I just started moving money towards that trade. But what I could see happening after last year played out the way it did with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve being sold right into the November elections, I would imagine that there may be less impetus to sell the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at this price. And I'm guessing that WTI crude oil, because demand is still there in oil and gas and diesel, can really get up and start testing those moving averages. Now, that's that's my kind of trade. You know, when a commodity 
goes from, you know, being in a bullish trend to backing off and consolidating, that's when I really sit up in my chair and look for the opportunity to get back in. And that's what I'm seeing on my screen now in crude oil, starting to test moving averages on the upside, as I mentioned. It's really a powerful market down here. And a lot of it is because it's picking up on the rest of the strength in the commodity board. You know, alongside the bonds going bid and stocks going bid this year, we've got the dollar that's still offered. Dollar index is off 1%. Um, Aussie dollar particularly strong, euro particularly strong, and those are tailwinds for the commodity complex. So in my opinion, that's, uh, that's sort of, um, you know, the trade that I'm working on this year. And then just to get back to crude oil for a second, you see this price action on the screen today. That is not bearish when oil goes from basically you know, 81 to 79 and a half on a dip intraday and then comes roaring back and closes above $81 at a new high for the move. That's bullish price action. That's as bullish as price action intraday gets. So it gets me excited about the prospects of um, crude oil as well. We need heating oil to succumb, excuse me, diesel fuel to succumb all the resistance that it's testing now. And it should be smooth sailing for the WTI oil and energy complex because oil inventories are still extremely low. WTI crude February 23, CL1 on the New York Merck. Uh, as you say, closing out the day, 81 spot, 14 here uh, on my screen. Uh, Tony, key levels, what are you thinking there uh, in terms of levels you're looking for? I got them in tweet, Ash. I think that we're going to be testing the 100-day moving average up above it around 83. Then we've got room up to the 90s. We break above the 200-day moving average in crude in, uh, I think it's at 93 or so, you're going to see an acceleration of that market because all the shorts that are sitting here betting on the recession that we already saw, they're going to have to get out. So like my friend Cuppy says, she's all washed out and ready to go. Yeah. Tony, switching gears, some other news flow on the day. Goldman Sachs earnings. If we can bring up the five-day chart on the Goldman uh, Sachs. Obviously, uh, not an especially uh, nice-looking chart there uh, when you take a look at this. Uh, earnings down 66% from Q4 2021 to Q4 2022, obviously, year over year. Tony, what do you think about that story? Uh, I think Goldman Sachs is going to do what the stock market is largely going to do, Ash, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I, I see that there's a dislocation in the stock today. It's trading much lower. But within the context of the rally off of the 300 lows that we saw last year, you know, that move is still intact. All this is is a one-day, very steep pullback to 100-day moving average support. I wouldn't be shocked, Ash, if Goldman Sachs finds a bottom somewhere, you know, within a couple of percent of here. And then probably starts performing like the rest of the stock market, which looks to me, and it's definitely too early to be confirmed yet, but, you know, the S&P testing its 200-day on the upside, it feels like this time, if we can get through there, that there might be some sustainability. So that's kind of how I'm angling it, and I'm really just trying to stay in the right sectors and out of the right sectors this year, same as last year, Ash. Very similar game plan, slightly different angle. Yeah, so S&P 500 closing out the day here, uh, down about two-tenths of 1% to 39.90, spot 97. Uh, couldn't get to the four handle uh, today. Uh, Tony, talk a little bit more about your generic outlook for the S&P equity markets more broadly, and also the sector rotation that you were just discussing. Yeah, Ash, early in the year, I, I rarely take my eye off of the horse race known as the year-to-date performance race. 
you know, last year it was pretty evident early on that we were seeing actually early in the year because I was quoted on January 5th of last year speaking with Maggie in an interview when she asked, what do I think, right? And I said, what you're seeing on the screens today is going to play out all year. I think we're going to see strength and energy, and I think we're going to see weakness in tech. So I can unpack that much further, but my idea is that is still, nothing really has changed since the calendar flipped, right? The only thing that right. I feel like, you know, we've seen change, in my opinion, is the dollar trend, right? The dollar last year ran into the Bank of England intervention at the highs, and then it ran into the Bank of Japan again at $150 yen, and we haven't looked back really that at those prices. So now that the dollar's changed direction, we've got the tailwinds in the commodity space, and I think that that's still going to be the place to be. That's why I keep my eye on the year-to-date performance from now, you know, because if I can get into the right lanes and stay there, you know, that's when last year we were talking about oil services and XLE being out front in the lead up a couple of percent on the week and on the year. Those sectors ended the year up 60%, right? So you can actually find the way the money's going at the beginning of the year, and it doesn't always pan out that way like it did last year, but that's right. kind of how I'm trying to follow it this year. And I still think we can have another year where the S&P is down sideways, doesn't perform well, and we see tech, big tech stocks probably go a little bit lower. And I think we can still see natural resources rally this year. So I'm kind of looking at it similar playbook. By the way, Tony, for those who are not scoring at home as closely as you are, XLK Technology Select Sector Spider Fund uh, trailing 12 months off, basically 19%, call it 19%. Uh, XLE Energy Select Sector Spider Fund uh, trailing 12 months up 39%. So there you have it, 60 point spread uh, on that. Really intense, right, Ash? Um, now this year you look at it and you've got airlines in the lead up 18%, all short covering. Seems unsustainable to me. The airline sector is in total disarray. Solar stocks are up 12%. Chart looks good, but that's not a sector that I'm really going to chase because that doesn't seem sustainable. What seems really sustainable to me, Ash, XME, industrial metals and mining up 12%. Gold miners up 10%. That's the stuff that seems sustainable to me because it coincides with that turn in the dollar that I think is happening this year. And as you can see, we can still have rates going sideways and the dollar going lower. So that's a trend that I'm looking forward to unfold this year. And I think that that can propel the commodity side of the stock market a little bit higher. Yeah, by the yeah. way, let's talk about it. Uh, U.S. dollar index, DXY, uh, right now trading at 102 spot 38 over the 100 handle on that uh, particular uh, index. Interesting one. Talk a little bit more about your outlook for the dollar for 23. Yeah, you know, I kind of outlined it quickly just a couple seconds ago, but we haven't really seen any pushback to those levels where the other central banks, the Bank of England and Bank of Japan, had to intervene last year. So they kind of put their foot down and drew a line in the sand, and the dollar hasn't been back to those levels at all. And you have to remember that happened at a time when the dollar was going up either 50 basis points or 1% almost every week, if not every day. Right. The dollar was on a charge last year. We had the U.S. rate differential widening over Europe, widening over Australia, widening over the whole G7. And the dollar got out and went on a run and it started to break shit. Right. It started with the gilt market. It ran into the dollar yen market at 150 and central banks had to get involved. Next thing you know, on a dime, the dollar turns, starts breaking down through moving average support. 
We just saw the dollar break down through all three major moving averages, had a little bit of a gasp retracement to try to trade up and break that trend. And it fell apart again last week, CPI week to a new low. So when you have the dollar making new lows, driving lower on headlines, you know, to me, that's the clear trend change. So if I'm going to be a commodity bull, I've got that in my back pocket. So I know that when the dollar uh, trend is going that direction, going lower, euro higher, Aussie dollar higher, those are tailwinds for the commodities, especially the metal space. When I see the dollar turn and go bid, I know that those positions that I've gone on are likely going to come under attack and that I've got to be careful and think about a plan. So that's how it works into my sort of strategy this year, Ash. The dollar is really, really a centerpiece of that. Yeah, and that's the technical term that they use at central banks. Dollar is starting to break shit. And by the way, uh, that DXY went up to about 114, I think, uh, during last September of 22, before we saw the intervention by the BOJ. Exactly right. And last um, backed off to 102, all the way below the moving averages, carving down to new lows, and it just doesn't look good this year. If the dollar can uh, consolidate for all of 2020, rally for all of 2021, I don't see why it can't sell off for all of 2020. Uh, excuse me, consolidate in 21, rally in 22. I don't see why it can't sell off in 2023, the whole year. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey, switching gears here, talking about consolidating and rallying, uh, I want to take a look at the 90-day chart on gold. It seems like gold is a topic on a lot of folks' mind right now. Uh, trading right now looks like 1908 per ounce. Uh, Tony, what are you seeing there in gold? What's your thesis? What's the outlook? Very similar to the dollar trend, Ash, you know, with euro rallying, that puts the tailwinds right behind the gold market. Um, we've been reading a lot of stories about how central banks have turned buyer in gold and have and begun accumulating um, you know, I don't know if it's a direct cause and effect, but it seems to me with this conversation going on about sort of a petro yuan, a petro yuan taking place, right? Putin and Xi are having a conversation. They want to price commodities in other uh, currencies. What to me, that to me could be part of why the dollar is selling off and gold has gone bid. And, you know, it seems like there could be a little bit of instability Come, you know, out ahead in the currency and commodity markets. So it doesn't seem like gold is a bad idea to own right now. And I think it's got history on its side as well, Ash. The last time we saw stocks and bonds off big in the same year, it was 1969. And in the following years from there, gold just had unbelievable performance. So maybe that's starting to shine through a little bit. Maybe it's the dollar weakness. Maybe everybody decided that that's going to be a better inflation hedge this year. But it sure has come to life, Ash, and we can't argue with the price action. Yeah, you never argue with the price action. Uh, listen, Tony, I wanted to switch gears here again and talk a little bit uh, about the yuan since you mentioned it. I want to jump in and take a look at a clip. By the way, before we do that, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, jump into the chat. Uh, we've got some pretty good conversation going there. It looks like uh, 
Bonito, Ape, some regular folks uh, here on Real Vision Daily Briefing. Welcome, guys. Jump into the chat. Throw us some questions. We love to take the questions. Tony, it's always fun to get you to weigh in on what uh, our viewers are thinking. Okay, with that said, I wanted to take a look uh, at the soundbite for today. Uh, this comes to us from Steno Signals, a great uh, new show here at Real Vision. Andrea Steno Larson talking about China. Will China's economy come out swinging? Let's take a look at the clip. And if we look at inventory data out of China on gasoline, oil, and copper, just to take three examples. We've actually noticed a pattern throughout the fourth quarter of 2022 of rising inventories, which to me means that the Chinese bought commodities ahead of the actual reopening happening this week. If we look at gasoline, first of all, the inventories are actually booming. The Chinese increased the export quotas of refined products this week. I think that is a crystal clear consequence of booming inventories. So they have more in inventory than they compared to what they actually need right now in China when it comes to gasoline. So this is important for the oil price, obviously. When it comes to copper, it is a less clear picture. The inventories rose towards the end of December, but at a um, smaller pace relative to gasoline inventories. So my take from an inventory perspective is that the price action to be expected in base metals, so copper, iron ore, steel, aluminum, is much more severe than the price action to be expected in energy from this reopening of China. And it actually holds, if you look at historical uh, correlations, the Chinese economy is clearly linked to the cycle of base metals to a larger extent than the cycle of energy commodities such as oil. Tony, let me flip it back to you on Andreas on the reopening thoughts. Yeah, you know, I think that he's on the right track. And I always like to hear when another smart trader comes at a similar conclusion to what I've come to from a different direction. Right. And I feel like that's what Andreas has done with, you know, circling the metals and the energy there and, and how the response has been on the reopening and that they may have bought some commodities ahead of time. You know, that that's kind of the way that I'm leaning. And so I put a little bit of weight in one, what Andreas says there. I'm hoping that that's how it pans out and that um, we're off to having another good year in base metals. That'd be great. Yeah, it's great uh, to have you and Andreas because it's two different perspectives. Andreas coming at this from the macro perspective, you coming at it from the trading perspective. Really fascinating sort of two worlds collide type of perspective when they agree. Obviously, as you say, really interesting way of thinking about things. Tony, we were talking a little bit off camera about a topic near and dear to my heart. Everything that's happening right now uh, in the crypto park markets. Bitcoin up for 13 days in a row, up nearly 29% during that rally. Uh, yet we still have all of these headwinds in place. You know, it's really strange. Wall Street Journal today has an article Big picture of Barry Silbert uh, above the fold on the page right now, or above the scroll, I guess I should say, because it just came out, digital story. Here's the subhead. CEO Barry Silbert of Digital Currency Group, a finance veteran who built a crypto conglomerate, now is fighting to keep its brokerage firm out of bankruptcy. The lead, the cryptocurrency crunch is so bad, even the pros are getting squeezed. And yet, and yet, up nearly 29% on Bitcoin. Tony, how are you processing all of it? I'm in. I'm in. You can't see a commodity go up 30% year to date and not cling to it somehow, right? I mean, we're traders here. Um, you can't argue with the price action there. Once again, Ash, the crypto charts, Bitcoin, Ethereum, you can pick one. I picked Ethereum and I went ahead and bought the Galaxy ETHX ETF. 
at six and a half bucks uh, or so. And, you know, it tracks Ethereum almost perfectly. You got to love these charts, right? They have humongous drawdowns. They've got long consolidations. We've got a blow up at the bottom with a guy walking around in shorts and split ends that's missing a couple of hundred billion dollars. I mean, this thing is going to play out where we're going to start seeing all these terrible headlines about the exchanges and the fraud and everything. And Bitcoin and Ethereum can just keep on rallying because that's what the chart says it can do. So that's my trade. That's my take on it. Um, the upside on a trade like this is just too juicy to pass up. Now, I don't think we're going to go back to the 2020 price action in crypto where there was no offer and laser eyes at the top. But I do think that it's worth hunting a trade, you know, for example, in Ethereum from, say, 1600 to, to 4000 or so. And in Bitcoin from, you know, 18, 20K to 30 or 40K or so. And that's what the charts look like they're going. So that's how I'm looking at it. And I'm heavily involved. <laughs> no offer with laser eyes at the top. Tony, you just answered Crypto Scott McGregor's question. Tony, are you buying the Bitcoin rally? Uh, got that one whacked off. You oh, can yes. Just, uh, yeah, yeah, you can just... You can just put a line through that one. Here's one that comes to us uh, from Adam Ninsen Kaludi. I hope I'm saying that right on YouTube. Uh, if a recession occurs, what price does TG think WTI will go to? Or is China enough support uh, for demand? Uh, Tony, there's some presuppositions in there. I'll let you take it uh, as broadly as you like. Yeah, it's a great question. It's definitely a question that weighs on my brain pretty often. Um, I think fears of a recession are overblown. I think that we saw a recession, or at least we know that the recession is on the tape because we saw two negative quarters of GDP and the bond curve go into the abyss at minus 70 basis points or wherever twos tens is right now. I mean, that is essentially economic collapse type of price action in the bond spread. So everybody in the world knows that the recession hit, the recession is here. And if we if we look out the window and see Wow, it's interesting that we had two negative quarters of GDP. The stock market ran from the recession, bottomed, and now rallied as we come out of the recession. So I'm not as concerned about whether or not we go into one. I know that we're in one, that we hit one, and we may stay in one for another quarter or two. But the bottom line is that that's old news. The new news is that China is reopening, and that's the news that the market wants to focus on. At least that's what price action is telling me. With uh, aluminum and copper up 10% year-to-date, um, gasoline up 5% year-to-date, diesel fuel up 6% year-to-date, you know, those that's the story to me. So I'm trying to track down where the price action agrees with the headlines and follow that story down. That's where I am on that. Yeah, 210 spread right now at minus 65 basis points. Uh, by the way, it's an ugly chart when you look at it for one year. If you zoom out to five years, you see how fast uh, that spread deteriorates. I mean, it's really quite striking on a five-year chart. It is. That, that is where the, when the bond market speaks, people listen. Indeed. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Uh, Doug Morley wants to know Tony, you have a view on uranium. 
I, you know, I'm bullish the space. It's not my, it's sort of not my trade. I wasn't the guy two or three years ago saying that you got to be long uranium at, at, you know, at much cheaper levels than now. Um, I do sort of feel that is going to be a necessary option if we are going to continue to push electronic vehicles and electronic infrastructure and also squash fossil fuel investment. So if we're going to continue to do both of those things, Eventually, the rubber is going to meet the road where wind and solar do not provide enough base load, base load power um, for civilization. Um, the politicians that are driving those decisions are going to have to look at other options, and it's getting easier and easier to pivot towards looking at nuclear options. So, you know, you, when, when you read things like, um, actually, let me, let me skip that because I don't have the details out right, but the price action in uranium URA, the... Um, sector ETF has been good. There's a huge pennant flag in that sector, and it looks like we're trying to test the descending um, top side of the flag to break out of that pattern. So if, you know, I, I, I'm a sucker for a pattern like that, you know, a, a commodity that backs off the highs, consolidates, and then gets going again. I feel like that's what we're seeing in uranium. It's going to be a nonlinear, extremely rocky trade, though. That's what I expect. Yeah, here's one. I'm not sure if you've seen this chart, but Paul English wants to know. This is coming from the Real Vision website. Uh, last week, Pierre Andoran posted a chart comparing Brent price from 2004 to 2008 versus 2020 to 2024. And it basically shows that Brent could be up to 200 bucks a barrel by July 2024. Any thoughts? No disrespect to Mr. Andoran. I'm not an analog guy. I feel like they only get you in trouble. But it would be great if it happens. That's how I'm positioned. So if he's right, good for him and good for me. Uh, Tony, here's a question from Bo Nito, one of our regular viewers here coming to us on YouTube, jumping around in the comments I see right now. Uh, Tony, what's going on with the Jolts report? They don't make intuitive sense. Can we trust them right now? Are you following the Jolts report, Tony? I am not a biologist. So no, I'm not really following the Jolts report. I kind of follow the market reaction to the economic data. I try not to get too bogged down in the economic data. You know, if you ask me how was CPI last week, in line with the expectations, still elevated. That covers it. So that's where that that's as much of the economic side as I need to know, I just stand here and stare at the bond market and the stock market and the commodity market and try to pick up what they're telling me. I couldn't read into a jolts versus an unemployment versus an NFP number if you spotted me tomorrow's data. <laughs> you know, some of the most important things are the things that you, the place you don't want to play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I know my lanes, Ash, and trying to prognosticate about the economy is not one of them. Yeah. Uh, Tony, here, this is the great last question. We're going to go to uh, Timothy Boudelier. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Tony, who do you think wins the Giants-Eagles game this weekend? Uh, I think the Eagles probably trounce them, but I'm going to root for the Giants. A fair assessment. Uh, Tony, obviously, always an amazing conversation whenever you come to town. I love getting to do these shows with you. It's always super fun. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with. Yeah, the key takeaways are don't sleep on the bond market. And excuse me, don't sleep on the commodity market. Sorry, I'm talking about one thing, thinking about another. Don't sleep on the commodity market. You know, my note today was called oil is happening. And, you know, no sooner did I write that, did oil rally a dollar and a half and make me look sharp and then collapse a dollar and a half in my face and make me look stupid and then rally another dollar and a half into the close to prove that it has nothing to do with me. This is the trend that's happening on the screen. This is the stuff that keeps confirming itself. Copper above the 200-day moving average and gone. Aluminum back above the 200-day moving average and gone. 
WTI crude oil, if we start getting back up above the moving averages, it's also gone. So like I also tweeted today, if you want to go back and forth about a recession, join an economists club because there are huge trades going on in the commodity market right now and not enough capital to put towards them. So that's how I'm looking at the tape right now, Ash. Hey, Tony, I know you're most energized right now around commodities, but any thoughts that you'd like to add on the bond market uh, or on U.S. equities? Bond market, I'm still bearish. You know, if I'm expecting commodity inflation and I'm expecting commodities to hold the Fed's hand to the fire in terms of them having to stay on the sort of extremely tightening path, um, despite a little bit of weakness in the economy, I think we're going to see structural inflation back. So I'm still a little bit bearish the bond market. It's tough to do right now because the bond chart looks good and the economic data is likely to be bad, right? So there's, you always got in the back of your head like, oh, here comes an economic miss and bonds are going to rally again. But commodity markets and the commodity moves have been keeping the bond market in check. Now, if we run into a situation later on this year or even into the summer where natural gas goes bid as well, right now it's offered as can be because we just came out of an ex extremely warm couple of weeks versus history. And so if natural gas comes back to bite, the commodity complex is going to be alive. That makes me bearish bonds for the year, Ash. I just can't get it out of my head. Yeah, my key takeaway here on the day is watching what's happening, uh, probably not surprisingly, in the crypto markets. We've had this weird period uh, where prices seemed anesthetized, zombified, uh, and then we get this move to the upside. Meanwhile, we have all of these sort of secular headwinds uh, in the form of these negative stories that we see about places like DCG, about places like Binance. These are very big shops uh, in the space where we're reading these really negative stories. Uh, and yet, and yet we see the price action moving. Uh, so that's an interesting one. Uh, the, the game there, go ahead, Tony, jump in. I was just gonna say, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of after the lockdowns when the markets crashed and we got nothing but horribly scary, frightening economic data. And as all of that data was right. coming out, markets were just rallying ferociously. We called it economic, po uh, we called it financial postmodernism. We might see that kind of a scenario in cryptocurrencies now where you see nothing but scary headlines and they're all in the rearview mirror and the security is up and gone. Could happen. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it could. I guess the one difference there is you had the Fed spinning up liquidity facilities that I couldn't pronounce on the air. Uh, you had the Congress in the act. You had the president coming on uh, talking about how we were going to you know, do everything we possibly could to secure the country. You had every mechanism of support uh, possible uh, for that market. And you know, here we are in crypto land. You got none of it, man. Nobody's riding to the rescue. That's true. I mean, all the more reason that this thing could go to some ridiculous price right now. So we'll see what happens. Right. Well, the only thing I can promise you is that I'm going to be talking to people who are a lot smarter than I am on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Uh, that is on noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, 5 o'clock in London. Uh, if you're not joining that party already, uh, come and jump in. We'd love to have you there. And we'd love to have you come in the comments uh, as well. Obviously, great conversation in the comments section here today as we were doing this show live. Tony, always a pleasure. Hope we get to do this more often, man. So do I, Ash. Great to get the band back together and great job once again. Absolutely. Thanks again for watching Real Vision Daily Briefing. Andreas will be back tomorrow with our old friend Weston Nakamura. I've got a sneaking suspicion you're going to be hearing something about the Bank of Japan. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great afternoon. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best brightest and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.